This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name's Russell Osborne and welcome to Prague on the morning of the game against the Czech Republic. Thankfully, not too much of a delay coming out, but enough for Ryanair not to be able to play their infamous jingle. Now today is apparently a day of national mourning after the death of Czech pop singer Carol Gott. Apparently sang for Austria in the Eurovision and was well liked in Germany. So up to 300,000 people are descending on the city from all directions to pay their respects today. Now I've never been in a country at a time of national mourning. When Princess Diana died I was holidaying in Lanzarote and watching from afar. There's also supposed to be an Extinction Rebellion demonstration stroke protest uh, going on. Throwing a few Northern Ireland fans for the game here on Monday. This place is going to be busy, more so than your regular Friday night. Now you've probably seen some of our delightful media outlets have been trying to stoke the coals with the usual old stories and pictures of Robocop looking riot police waiting for any sign of trouble. Let's hope it all goes trouble free. And we can all move on. So we are made it up to the Sonobo Stadium, which is a stadium on the outskirts of Prague. There's a, a massive Tesco Extra opposite it, a, a shopping centre as well. It's one of these grounds where beneath the stand there's McDonald's, there's a bank, uh, there's various shops underneath the, the stand. And then each corner appears to have... The, uh, the gates to enter in which to, uh, to get into the ground. But it's fairly busy, lots of English around. It is dark, big red, illuminated Sonobo Stadium uh, at the top of it with uh, banners of all various, I assume, old Slavian players for, uh, for Slavia Plague. The Slavia Museum is here as well. Um, but yeah, looking to uh, go through the gate in a moment. Get it in, fairly straightforward. Usual pat down, no real issues really. But yeah, tickets work to treat and uh, in we go. And if you remember the Champions League game between Slavia Prague and Borussia Dortmund, the Dortmund fans were in one corner and that's pretty much where the England fans were, were situated. So inside the ground, Red seats all around, Slavia's colours, plenty of England flags dotted around, Huddersfield, Bristol Rovers, there's Tottenham, there's Oswestry Wolves, and it is the home of Slavia Park, so there are Czech Republic flags as well dotted around. So about 3,000 England fans in here. Starts, the England section starts from almost behind the, beyond the goal, sweeps its way around to the side of the pitch and finishes what it looks like uh, if you were to look in line with the uh, the 18 yard box sweeps its way around to about there and I think there's another England section the 70 quid tickets are over the other side of the pitch somewhere <laughs> 
It's a day after the match, and what a disappointment that was. Czech Republic 2, England 1. I thought we were on to a winner right at the very beginning. Raheem Sterling threw on goal, gets himself a penalty. Harry Kane tucks it away. You think after all the previous qualifying games, this is going to be the start of, of what's gone before. But the Czech Republic came back into it. And eventually 1-2-1 with a, a goal right towards the end. And got to be honest, I think England deserved to lose more than the Czech Republic deserved to win. Taking nothing away from the Czech Republic. Um, but that was one of the... One of the worst, not worst performances, just passionless performances that I've seen from a, uh, an England side in a long time. Very disappointing. I must say, for about... For the majority of the 90 minutes yesterday, the 3,000 England fans within the stadium there were absolutely superb. Non-stop singing, uh, new songs about Scotland which were amusing, uh, but yeah, thoroughly good support off the pitch. It's just a shame the, the players on the pitch just didn't respond to it. I'm not quite sure what, what actually happened, but hopefully it can be put right against Bulgaria uh, and we'll see us qualified. We'll get more reaction to that uh, later in the podcast, but in the meantime, I am going to make, make my way across the Charles Bridge as everyone else heads to Bulgaria. I'm going to be heading back, but before I do, I'm going to head, as I say, over the Charles Bridge for the last time and go and check out the Strahov Stadium. And here I am, Strahov Stadium. To be fair, it was a bit of a trek out of town, but this is just a... Uh, <laughs> A colossal lump of concrete, which appears to be used primarily, I guess, as a uh, a bus park. Lots of coaches parked up around here, but it it does have that sort of communist feel to it. Plain concrete, graffiti. Quite excited about getting inside, trying to sneak in and have a look. My word, this place is huge. So yeah, big thanks to Thomas Danicek of Czech Footy for for uh, pointing me in the direction of this place. It's huge, absolutely huge. Um, and it just makes you wonder what it must have been like when it was full, when there was a rally going on, something like that. Must have been a real sight. I, uh, I certainly haven't seen a stadium of any sort as big as this. Sparta Prague obviously got some sort of training facility here. Um, they're branded up here. But yeah, looking to my right, there's a block of stands with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight entrances within that stand. There's a corner stand, and then running along the other side, there's sort of yellow seats, sort of old, old Wembley-style seats. There's a little bit of terracing. <laughs> It's amazing this place, it's huge, it goes on all the way around. And it's like perfectly manicured grass that obviously the likes of Sparta train on here. It's huge, I've never seen anything like it. If you get a chance to come here next time, Strahov Stadium. So next to the Strahov Stadium is a, another stadium, it's a ground called the Stadion Pratleski, have to excuse my pronunciation on that. Um, and just being the nosy type that I am, I thought I'd go and have a quick wander. There's a gate open, and I've just wandered around 
the side of the ground, one gate open, gone up into the stands, and down below, and this is half past 11 on the morning after the game against the Czech Republic, the England team are currently training inside the ground here. I can see Tammy Abraham doing kick-ups. Uh, they've got various cones all set out. I think that's Gareth Southgate just standing in the middle of the pitch there in conversation with someone. Uh, Pickford is having a, a session in goal at the far end of the pitch. Uh, but yeah, I've literally stumbled across the England training session. Clearly I don't think I'm supposed to be here, but, uh, oh, you know... So, back home, in the comfort of my own front room, my wife informed me of some disturbances with Czech police and a group of England fans who seemed to have been attacked in a bar where the media conveniently found themselves. Didn't know about this, uh, and I don't really want to comment further as I wasn't aware of it at the time, but it appeared, other than the game, everyone seemed to have a good time. Now, this was only the third time we've lost to the Czechs, last losing to them back in 75. Previous to that, 1934. And we know that the uh, the 70s weren't exactly a golden time for England. And the then Czechoslovakia, they were semi-finalists and in fact winners of the Euros during the 70s. I'm at a loss as to why the motivation didn't really seem there last night. But I did receive a couple of tweets, one from Jonathan Fearby saying Rice, Rose, Keane all have to go. Henderson had a shocker. And at on Mead, awful, lack of movement and creativity. No one in midfield could hold the ball or take responsibility. And personally, I think the previous game, Kosovo exposed us. I'm not quite sure we've learnt from that. Now, of course, during the World Cup, we were playing three at the back. And now Gareth Southgate seems to favour a back four. Bulgaria, they drew 0-0 away to Montenegro. And now the team now fly to Sofia, hoping to secure qualification. But looking forwards to next year, all of a sudden, we look vulnerable if we come up against better organised sides. And that was, in fact, the first time I've seen England lose an away qualifier. I've seen them lose them at home, of course, last being Croatia in 2007, and I've seen them lose away friendlies. But the last time England lost an away qualifier was, in fact, 10 years and a day uh, since we lost in Ukraine. So, on to Bulgaria, England went. Gareth Southgate made five changes. In came Mings for his debut in place of Keane, Chilwell for suspended Rose, Winks, Barkley and Rashford for Rice, Mount and Sancho. Thankfully, England turned out a better performance than the one in Prague. Qualification wasn't achieved on the night as Kosovo beat Montenegro 2-0, but sadly the game was overshadowed by more racism incidents from the home stands. I generally want to focus on the football on this podcast, but as it happened whilst we were in action... I really can't let it pass without comment. (music) 
Okay, and I'd like to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast. We spoke to him uh, a little while ago when England faced Bulgaria. I'm going to speak to him again. So live from Sofia, welcome back to Andy Satchev. Hello there. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm fine. Hey, last time we spoke, we left it that you were going to try and meet some of the England players. Did you achieve that? Yes, actually, I was uh, one of the... Ten lucky people who patiently uh, stayed uh, in front of the hotel where the players were. Because uh, Gareth Southgate and Harry Kane had a press conference in the National Stadium and uh, they were going to the hotel later. And we have managed to surprise them, uh, took some autographs and uh, a selfie. Oh, great stuff. And did, did you manage to have a quick conversation? Uh, well, I because my I was shocked because Harry Kane is in front of me. I just said, can, <laughs> can you can you uh, sign sign the autograph? He, he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, well done. I'm glad you managed to to get that. No, well done. Well, well, we'll get to your view of the game uh, very soon. But sadly, the the topic of racism is quite high over here. Um, in England, we we heard on the news that Gareth Southgate had spoken with the team, Harry Kane as well being captain, about the possibility of racism and the the possibility of walking off the pitch should it be heard. What was the build-up in Bulgaria like? Well, the build-up for this game, well, the last three weeks we were talking about the racism that could be coming from our fans, the chantings and the the, uh, the chantings that were coming. But uh, no one actually said, okay, if they're coming, why wouldn't we stop this? And they just let it happen because I think that everything is organized so the uh, president of the FA should be sacked. A lot of English reporters or English people don't know this kind of stuff because in Bulgaria, uh, the FA has its insights. Right. Um, and what, what do you mean by the insights? The insights is, well, the fans uh, who were with, uh, from that, uh, that sector, uh, I believe it's B, uh, who um, were chanting? We, yeah. Would we refer to these as the ultras? Yes, the ultras uh, who um, freely do, did their thing, the Nazi signings and the uh, monkey noises. I believe that uh, they were doing this so the uh, president would be sacked because he's 14 years in charge. And most of the football fans from uh, big clubs like um, CSK, Sofia, uh, Levski Sofia, Ludogorets, they don't like him. And right. I believe this was organized from the fans so he can be sacked. And this is the, the FA president? Yes, Borisov Mikhailov. Okay, now I believe today we're speaking on the the Tuesday, the day after the game. Some uh, significant events have actually happened. Uh, yes. Well, uh, first uh, I would like to say that uh, he was uh, sacked immediately because uh, the minister of sports uh, uh, Krasen Kralev and uh, Prime Minister of Bulgaria Boyko Borisov have uh, been pushed by UEFA and FIFA. So uh, they can tell them, uh, tell him to just to just resign, and he did it. 
but by having these ultra groups making racist remarks and and racist salutes that's just not a way to go about getting someone sacked though is it well these people who are in the game for uh, for this moment that uh, they basically uh, got their chance and their noises uh, i believe uh, it's because of this i don't see why should they go to a game and do things like that i think the other thing that maybe targeted uh, like um, connected with the ultras is uh, be- uh, because in the game at wembley uh, last month yes some of the uh, because there was a steward who heard uh, that the bulgarian fans said something to the uh, english fans and the english fans um, shouted gypsies to the bulgarian away fans and some i believe that was the the other maybe provoked moment by these ultras sort of a payback because of uh, the because there were situations uh in the newspapers there were writings about the the Wembley game because of again a fan problem i i believe is why these fans were uh, acting like that in uh, yesterday's game i see uh, and i've got to be honest i wasn't aware of that but i must also point out that that here in england we are we are not whiter than white we're not we're not all angels so we do have some of the same issues that um that are being mentioned at the moment i want to say the most of the english people because they are not or support they're not supporters or they don't know deeply what's going on in this situation because I know the the majority, like there were a few hundred people who are making this uh, their racist behavior. But uh, I I like to say to the English fans and people that uh, there is no need to abuse the whole country because we are a country that's uh, a long time been around in Europe, and we I'm very sad and uh, I'm sorry for the behavior of these fans. But just don't put the whole country because of these people because many normal people will be walking and they'll be uh, called racist because they they weren't there and they didn't uh, know what's going on and they haven't done anything i mean obviously bulgaria has has had previous issues which was why the partial stadium closure um, was implemented last night you, you had the uefa banners and you had there's been fines that have been dished out um, previously what really needs to happen what would stop this from happening in bulgaria going forwards well um this kind of um i I should say um situations have been in club level and of course in national level Uh, the closed doors were because of the game against uh, kosovo uh, that was in uh, june and I believe that because innocent people will be hurt by that fact, the only, the best decision is, for me personally, my opinion, uh, the uh, the games, future games have to be in closed doors, but like not a few games, a very large number of games, because the other 
decision that UEFA can make is uh, to expel Bulgaria from the qualifications for the World Cup at Qatar in 2022 and this year's uh, European Championship. Well, I think it's I think it's safe to say you're not going to make the European Championship. But yes, that is one thing that uh, has been sort of spoken about is is banning Bulgaria from a future qualification period, be it for the World Cup or future <coughs> Euros. Uh, sort of similar to to Russia in the Olympics. But I mean, how how would that affect like people like yourselves? I mean, because I don't want to I don't want to tar all Bulgarians with the with the same brush because I'm sure the the vast majority of Bulgarians aren't um, the type of people that are um, racist and and have those sort of views but how would that affect you I mean would you miss the the national football side if you were banned for for a two-year period or so well, no, because uh, at the moment our national team is not in its best quality that was like in the 80s or 90s. And uh, the other thing that there is club football here and some clubs, of course, my club personally, uh, goes to Europa League. And uh, I believe that the national team at the moment, no one really wants to watch it. Many people just watch the game because they are getting their kids so they can see what is football like or because they they are in front of their eyes, they are playing uh, with big teams and that's exciting for us. But uh, if, if Bulgaria is banned for two years, I don't say that I would care because uh, in nation, our national team, most players need to be removed from the squad because uh, they're not doing very well right uh, i mean and, and just one more thing on that the the manager coach balakov has said he didn't hear anything you yourself were at the game did you hear anything well yeah i i really wanted to cover this situation because uh, i believe balakov in my opinion again uh he didn't uh, hear anything because he was con- concentrated in the game itself, and like a fa- uh, and me, I was too concentrated in the game, and I was I wasn't pay- paying attention to the fans uh, most of the time because I was really want uh, I re- I really wanted to watch the game, not uh, watching the fans because uh, fans I can watch them on YouTube. Uh, that's not the point. For me, Bolokov, uh, he actually, an hour ago, he apologized of uh, the behavior of our fans. Uh, he apologized of the, uh, for, uh, uh, to the English players. And uh, I would say that Gareth Southgate himself didn't hear most of these because he was concentrated at it in, uh, in the game. Oh, I see. Okay. Let's move on to the game. You you went. You said that many people aren't so so interested in the in the national team. You yourself obviously are because you went to the game. What what did you make of it? Well, I was uh, actually very happy for England to come to our national stadium because the English atmosphere for me, because I'm a fan of the Premier League, I would say it's fascinating it's uh, something special because i haven't experienced it at all i've experienced it on tv only uh i was happy that we played england 
yeah, every fan will be disappointed about a result or devastated by a result of 6-0. But uh, I was there because of the game and with I was there because with my uh, I was there with my friends. And being obviously being Bulgarian, but you wanted to see uh, the England players when England scored. Uh, how, how did you feel? Well, actually, for the first goal, we are we were playing well. After that, uh, before the first goal, Emilian Popov had a very good shot against Pickford, but uh, of course it was saved. And that goal was amazing. Actually, that was m- probably the deep, actually the best goal. This is Marcus uh, Rashford's. Yeah, Marcus Rashford's goal was probably the best goal that night. Yeah. No, it was a a very good all-round uh, England team performance that that put to bed the the unfortunate Czech Republic results. Where where did Bulgaria go from here on the football front? Well, I mean, does the manager need do you need a change at the top there, the manager? Uh well, I don't believe that uh, the manager should be sacked because as he said in an interview multiple times that uh, he will gladly resign from the post, but at the same time, nothing will really change because we have changed every year we have changed managers and the result is always the same. The players need to be changed, not the manager, the players, because we have seen many managers come and go and the result is the same. Not different. I see. I see. So, so there's a lot to work on, but you think it's the players? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for for your insight into that, Andy. Really do appreciate it. And last time we spoke, you said that you were you were doing your art. You were you were drawing old was it old players in retro shirts? Is that what? Well, I, no, I drew players or people in old football kits, like from the nineties or from the eighties, because. Football kits for me are very special. It's not just a shirt, but it's something special because uh, non-football fans will say it's just a shirt, but for football fans, it's the design, the club crest, uh, the uh, the sportswear who supports the kids, and uh, that kind of stuff. Okay, and that and that's on Instagram, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, Andy with two Y's. Uh, dot graphics okay. in Instagram. Great stuff. I'll uh, I'll link to that and likewise your your Twitter as well. well uh, Andy, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we may meet again one day. Yeah. Bye. Now let's welcome back to the Three Lions podcast. Always welcome to have him back. CJ Joyner, how are you doing? All good, thanks. So yourself? Yeah, all good, thank you. All good. You went to both games, didn't you? Well, in fact, I saw you out there in Prague. I did, yeah. Um, it was good to see you. Yeah, no, likewise. That had been there uh, since we last caught up was since Portugal, wasn't it? That's correct, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you lost your suntan. Yeah, just about. Well, I've, I've been in Jamaica for two weeks in the in the last month or so, so I'm you know that's quite disappointing, Russell. 
<laughs> well, let's let's start with a, a Czech rep game. Was that just a blip? I think it was. I think it was a huge wake up call that uh, you could say we probably needed. Really, mm. um, I mean, if if Kosovo that Kosovo game wasn't a wake up call, that Czech Republic game certainly was. I know. I to- totally agree. Just the the players just just didn't turn up, and and they didn't reflect what we as supporters were in the uh, in the stands because I think that was one of the one of the sort of most full on ninety minutes in in quite a while. I think that one from a supporters' point of view. Certainly, um, I mean, I think if you go through the team, Pickford would probably want the goal back. Really, however, you look at his performance throughout. He made some top draw saves. Mm. And the way how the defence opened up, I don't think it was particularly helpful that some of the players stopped uh, when uh, when Danny Rose went down. I don't know, maybe, maybe they thought they heard a whistle or, or what have you, but I suppose it's just basic instinct to see, see one of the teammates go down with a head injury. They just assume the game already stopped, but it wasn't. That was really the only one, well, the only mistake I would say he made, if, if it was a mistake. Trippier, I thought, played pretty well, really. I would I'd say if anything, him or Mount would have been my man of the match. The rest of the defence, I thought Maguire and um, and Keane were pretty poor. Rose just wasn't at the races at all. He just didn't seem right from the start. And then um, as we go into into midfield, as I said, Mount Mount looked pretty good. Henderson and Rice, I thought, were, were pretty shoddy, really. I'm still not necessarily Rice's biggest fan, really. I know he's a young lad and he's coming into the team and everything. And I know Eric Dyer has had a lot of criticism I'm I'm just struggling in an England shirt. I'm struggling to see how Rice is um is doing better than um what Eric Dyer has in the times when he's played. Um, mm. And then you've got the front three that Sterling did everything he could. I think he tried his best. He won us that penalty, didn't he? Really, Sancho was pretty anonymous, and Kane had a he had he had a go. To be fair, in the second half, but it wasn't a good day at the office for him. There's probably it's probably only three or four players there. You can say you know came out with any credit whatsoever you might give a five out of ten to really yeah. the rest were pretty shoddy I, I mean Rashford came off the bench didn't he but did he even touch the ball I'm, I'm, I'm not sure did he did, did I, think, I think he may have had one run conversation I had after the game um, just regarding the substitutes that they were pretty much like for like weren't they it was didn't it wasn't really anything. he needed something different to shake it up and it was as if we didn't have a a plan b if if we remember up until probably until we qualified really the Lithuania game I would say in the um, in the last campaign oh yeah Southgate played it pretty he played it pretty safe really if you if you remember um, and then we switched it he switched it from that from that day and we we played some really nice stuff after you know he, he's shown he can he can play with different systems but. Everyone has a bad day at the office. Everybody yeah. does. And that was just our, our one bad day at the office when it turns to qualification in, in how many years? Ten years. So That's right. You, you, can't really, you can't really complain. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that we've, we've actually played pretty well, really, in the, in the last couple of years in qualification in particular. I didn't think Friday was anything to worry about, really, with the performance. It was just an off day. Maybe we've had some of those off days in the in in the last few years, but we've just got away with it. But this time around, it was just a, an off day, and we didn't. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think it was a, a bit of a knee jerk reaction by by a lot of people, myself included, coming away from there, going, "No, that was rubbish." And but I think it was the uh, the kick up the backside that we needed. 
So, well, go on, let, let's move on. You you went on to Bulgaria. I came home. Uh, how did you get over to Bulgaria? Any any exciting routes? Went via Milan. We had an hour in Milan. That was pretty uneventful, really. <laughs> and on um, to Sofia. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So what did you make of Sofia as a, uh, a city and, and Bulgaria as a place? As a city, I thought, well, we deliberately went there the Saturday because I wanted to spend more time there, and we all did. I think it's partly because we may go to Prague again. We, we may we may take a trip to Prague, stag do, something like that in the future maybe or something, you know. But we're less likely to um, to take a trip to Sofia. So you get to see more of the city. It was a reasonably pleasant place. We had a lot, a lot of nice architecture, a lot of nice buildings, but we can't sweep under the carpet. The atmosphere that greeted us pretty much when from when we arrived really on the Saturday. Was it obvious then? Thinking back, I didn't really notice it as much, but thinking back, you think back at different things and you think, oh, yeah, well, that happened and that happened and that happened and that happened. And you kind of got that, you kind of got that stare from that person and that stare from that person. And the people in the restaurants, our Airbnb host, lovely people, people in the bars, fantastic people. Some of the people on the streets, though, you just felt like they just didn't really want you there. Right, we weren't necessarily made to feel welcome. I, I felt on the streets. I, I, I felt there was it was a, there seemed to be a little bit of hostility from the the moment we arrived. All right, okay. So onto the game match day. That obviously that hostility probably uh, increased a little bit, did it? Yeah, very much so. It was blatantly obvious from when when we were walking down from the um, the Airbnb down to just just out and about that day, walking down to the Seska Stadium just to have a look there and obviously there was some awful things with the stickers and stuff like that very poor well some pretty shocking graffiti to be honest um as well um on some of the on some of the buildings including mm. the school you know really um swastikas things like that things that you don't really want to be seeing we seem to be getting stared out by a lot of people we were in england shirts but at the end of the day Everyone else, everyone's going to know we're English. Whether you know, well, yeah. you, you just look English, don't you? You just have that aura yeah. around you. I mean, we're in shorts. A lot of people seem to be in the jacket, twenty something degrees. But you know, we, we found I found it quite warm walking around in shorts and what have you. Shorts and a t-shirt. You're just going to look English. Yeah, yeah. But we did sense a bit of a bit more hostility on that day. But again, the, p- the people in the bars and everything else, the staff and what have you, were just, it just seemed like lovely people, really. And it's just a shame there are a few people out there that just ruin it for them. Yeah. So the onto the, the game, the game, the event, let's let's split it up into two. And, and we've already spoken to to Andy uh, from Bulgaria. He's, he's given us his side on the the whole racism element um so let's let's split it into two with the, the racism and, and the, the actual game where where did the where did the racism come in it for you well from where we heard it it was quite early on i would say it sounded like booze mm. there could have been monkey chants in that we we you know we couldn't we couldn't really tell from where we are we were we were right down in the far corner from where the where kind of the main ultra group were so it was noticeable whenever the likes of Mings, Rashford, Sterling, Barkley as well, people, it just was blatantly obvious they were booing these players yeah. or worse. And 
it it made us it it obviously got our backs up a lot. Uh, the chance of um, chanting at them, calling them racists, and lots of other things as well. That 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 soon kind of intensified pretty early on. What what I would say is. You look at those first five goals. They were scored two by Bartley, two by Sterling, and one by Ratchford. Yeah, and you know what? What better way to silence them than, mm. than doing that? They, I don't think it really did silence them. Really, um, the the main ultra group were, were led outside. Well, were taken outside. Um, Could you see where those that, that ultra group was? Did you notice it, them all leave? It, yeah, it was it, it was noticeable. They were in the far. If we, if, if we, the corner we were in, it was on our side of the stadium, it, next to the opposite corner flag. If you get what I mean, the, the corner flag down the other end of the, the stadium. Yes. Um, they left the stadium. We we saw them leave. One of the biggest issues. It wasn't just them. You could right. hear from diagonally across the pitch in the other corner that they're kind of level with the penalty area. That there there seemed to be quite a few boos and whistles coming from that area as. Well. They, I did get the impression that they were continuing throughout the um, second half. Obviously, the, the booing was um, was kind of slightly quiet. It was a lot quieter, but mm. there was definitely a, still a few boos out there. How can this be happening in 2019? You know, it shouldn't have been happening 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's a question it's that everyone today. asks, yeah. Yeah, UEFA are taking appear to be taking steps. Um, I mean, what, what I find strange is this three-step protocol from from uefa about speaking to the speaking to the players then you've got the tannoy announcement which both of those were done and then there's the the option to walk off but it just seems strange as a someone uh, i read somewhere that a child might get told off once and then if they do something naughty again they're they're told not to do it and taken a, a toy away or something adults at a football match get three chances it, it just yeah. seems so strange that obviously the the banners don't work the the ground closures don't or partial ground closures don't work i, I really don't know what uefa are going to do firstly ground closure is a complete joke mm. it is a complete joke that they close five thousand seats in that stadium it's a forty-four thousand seater stadium and they closed five thousand seats and they sell about 20,000 as say, a maximum. Yeah, it wasn't full at all, was as it? As a maximum. Considering we're one of the bigger nations that most teams sell out for, a 5,000 closure in a stadium that's always half full. If that, how is that a punishment? If anything, it makes the, it makes it a bit easier for them, really, because they think, right, OK, we won't sell any tickets in that bit of the ground. And it's almost like, you know, that they were making a point because the exact same bit of the stadium at the other end of the pitch, was closed as well. And that, that wasn't a UEFA sanction. That was just the fact that they don't sell any tickets in that mm. end. And it, you know, it's almost like they're making a point saying, well, you're going to close that end, but we're going to close this end anyway. We would have closed it. So you, you haven't really punished us. It was almost like they, was just, they were saying that to UEFA. With regards to the tannoy, we couldn't hear it. We couldn't hear the tannoy at all. I mean, I don't know what would have happened if there would have been a fire. What would have happened? We, You know, we... It didn't even seem to be muffled or anything. There didn't seem to be any speakers near here at all. Putting a tannoy announcement over, let's make no mistake here, the the main group of ultras that were causing the, the racism, the, the, the racist chanting, was in pretty much the exact place we were in the stadium, but at the other end of the stadium. So you can only presume that the, the speaker system's exactly the same down that end as well. 
So did they even hear it? You know, what what's the point of putting out a, um, an announcement like that when the main group of people may not have been able to hear it? I think since they've been charged with racism before, I think the three-step rule is a joke. You know, one announcement, take the players off the pitch with that announcement. That's it. Just take them off. Take them off for 10 minutes. Try to get try to get some kind of sense into the crowd some way. Maybe Kane and um, and pop off, go over yeah. to the rather than just pop off, maybe Kane as well. Um the two captains walk over to to the fans. Do something along those lines. And if it doesn't if it doesn't stop, then that's it. You know, game over, forfeit, game over. However, the thing that we've got to think about is they're sat there with three points. They've got no chance of qualifying. They didn't have any chance of qualifying pretty much from the first game. You know, they've been destroyed by us twice now. How's that a punishment as well? How is that a punishment? Because they forfeited the game. They they forfeited the game themselves because they were so poor on the pitch. I don't know whether they felt like, well, we can't really be winning this, lads, because of the, um, you know, because of what's going on in the crowd, or I don't know whether they're thinking that, or or whether they they just genuinely that poor. I mean, they look bad at Wembley, but Mm. I've got to say, Monday night that took it to a completely new level. Of, of one of these mid-tier nations looking that poor. I mean, I, I was watching it thinking, how must Stilly, you know, how must Stilly and Petrov and Dietmar Berbatov be thinking right now watching these players play? They just look so poor when they've had such good players in the past. And we're, we're, we're mentioning about the racism. One of the best players ever, you know, forget about from Bulgaria ever. You know, you've got Stoichov crying on the air. On, yeah. on on a TV program earlier, or it might have been last night or what have you. But yeah, I saw I saw, I, I saw it in social media crying because of the state of the you know the racism in that stadium, and he's saying that he believes he he uh, was I think he was captain wasn't he in 1994, and he he is saying that he wants his team kicked out for the next four five six years all international competitions, and it, is that really a threat though? Because the way how they're playing at the moment. They're not going to make any tournaments anytime soon. Anyway, um, somebody did mention actually while we're out there that kick them out of the Champions League and Europa League. Or punish the, the club sides. Yeah. Pu- pun- yeah. Just punish punish the country as a whole and say, due to what your fa- what your fans are doing, y- you're not going to be allowed to compete in the Champions League and, Euro- and Europa League from now for the, for the next four years. And uh, we're going to assess you on a, well, they could even do it on a yearly basis and assess them. Something UEFA. along those lines, maybe. Give them a chance. Give them a chance to clean up their act, maybe. But UEFA really do need to put their foot down and and sort this out now. Def- definitely so. And uh, it's, but like I said, they're not going to qualify for any tournaments. So hit them where it hurts. Let's face it. It's not the it's not the players that are doing this. It's the fans. So let's you know let's hit the fans where it hurts. And if they, the moment they think the, the majority of them would be from the the bigger supported clubs in mm. the country, so the moment they think, oh my word, this is going to affect us pretty badly here. We're not going to be playing in Europe. That could you know that could be a significant setback for them. And I personally think that's probably the way to go. Ban them from international competitions, ball means. But I think they've got to do significantly more than that. They've got to take you know bigger steps. Interesting point of view. Yeah, could be done. The game, 6-0 result. It was the perfect response to to losing in Prague, wasn't it? Couldn't have uh, done any better, really. I've never been prouder of that team, the fans as well. I thought the team were... I, I wouldn't, you couldn't necessarily say they were fantastic because 
they were playing against. Honestly, they looked worse than San Marino. I, th- I thought they looked worse than a San Marino, worse than a Liechtenstein. You know, they're dro- they're dropping down to Scotland levels, Russell, and it's just <laughs> I mean, you just see them, and you just think, what's going on there? But but either way, so I thought the players put in a very professional performance, and you can't fault any of them. I think we were probably in first gear. We didn't even get out a second or you know second gear. Um, I mean, go back to the Kosovo game. We were probably in first gear then as well, but it might just be well. Kosovo was certainly just slightly better. Well, they are a bit better than Bulgaria. That's why I think we struggled to get out of first gear against Kosovo at times. Yeah, we we did. We were stuck there. Yeah, but but either way, I mean, this game in particular, I think we're in first gear. Why go into second or third gear? Because at the end of the day, they've all got clubs to go back to. You know they don't want to be injured. No. If they're going, if they're going that, if they're doing that little bit of that little bit too much, twist their knee, something like that, then it could put them out for a long time. So take it at pedestrian pace, and then you know hit them every so often with a you know with, with an attack. And pretty much every time we went forward, I thought we were going to score. I mean, Kane, I've got to say, I didn't think he played that well, really. In comparison to what we what we can expect from him, but he got two assists and a goal. Turn provider, um, didn't he? Yeah. So I mean, the best performance I've seen from him was last year in Spain, and he didn't score. So you know, he's he's a different sort of player to what he was always billed to be. I'm not sure I understand. Mm. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, Siri. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a different. Yeah, it's a different sort of player. To what um, what he's always been built to be, he isn't just a goal scorer. He's very greedy in front of goal. However, when he sits back, he we instantly look a better attacking threat mm. than if he wasn't sitting back. He 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 knows he's got Sancho on one side. He's got he's got Sterling the other that can pull in and score goals from anywhere. And he's got the likes of Barkley as well, who've had so many critics, but. I, I like the guy, I really do. And I, th- I think, you know, we lost three or four years of Ross Barkley. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was against Scotland where he, he came on, what, uh, about 2013, 2014? And he looked very, very, very good when he came on for about twenty uh, about a 20-minute cameo. And I'll always remember that about him. I thought, we've got the next Gaza here. Yeah, um, yeah. We really have. We've got the next Gaza or Rooney. I, I personally think that if he was in the team on the on Friday, and so was Tyrone Mings, if those two were in that team on Friday, I think we would have won. Well, there's certainly going to be a few uh, players knocking on the uh, the next squad, and and just one player that that has has stood out um, exceptionally well. And you did mention him there, Tyrone Mings. I, I must admit, I uh, I think I'm have to. I don't think I actually said it publicly, but I think I leaked my words. He he actually performed and and came on the pitch, um, performed against Bulgaria a, a lot better than what I. I anticipated he would. He he just was so confident, uh, sort of dictating from the back as well. He seemed to to work well with Maguire, um, and I, I can see him being being in the uh, the England team for a, a long time to come. Should he keep this up? Hundred uh, percent agree with you. In fact, exactly the same. I thought maybe he wasn't really the guy to, mm. to play there. Never really been that impressed with him. However, he just looked good. Do you know, do you know, he just, yeah. he just looked, he looked like, what is he, 27, 28, something I like that, maybe? Don't know, um, to be honest. Mid, mid to late 20s. 
he looked like he was that age and he had been desperate to put in a really good performance for England and show what he can do for 10 years. He, he looked and he looked like that, and I can believe he is like that. And that, and hopefully, if he continues to play like that, then you've got the likes of Stones coming back, Gomez, who I think is probably our best footballing centre half. So, I'd I'd like to see a lot more of him. And there's a few, there's our two first choice centre halves there. Got a um. They've got a bit of a problem there with it, with him now. I, th- I think he he's played himself into contention. Very much so. Yeah. So that'll be be the squad for Montenegro and Kosovo. We win a win against Montenegro at Wembley. We are through to the tournament next year. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to Montenegro then. I am one thousandth England game. Mm. It's something to it's something to be proud of really as a country that we've played that many matches and it's. It, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of happy memories for myself and and you know obviously a lot more for the people that are the older generation. There's obviously a lot of um, sad memories as well and that, that you don't really want to remember. But but ultimately it's it, it's our country, isn't it? And it's something to be proud of that we've played that many games. Yeah, and then Kosovo after that is a uh, is another exciting place or another exciting game for for a variety of reasons, having never been there. And one of those places that I thought, you know what, I would never ever go there. Uh, so looking forward to uh, to going there, and no doubt I'll see you too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the one that I've been looking forward to the most uh, out, of, out of all of them, really. Um, and it's it's the one that you'd look at. You think, as you said, you just never go there. You just there's never a reason to go there. And I remember Slovenia being a lovely place, for example. But you, you you've never heard any bad reports about Slovenia. But you would never have gone there. CJ, thank you very much for your time. Yes, let's uh, let's look forward to to catching up, maybe uh, either at the Montenegro game or at Kosovo. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you, Russell. I do like to try and acknowledge some other bloggers out there who do their thing for England and a really good job it is too. Dom Smith over at englandfootball.org said after the Czech game, Reality Czech hands England first qualifying defeat in over a decade. A late Czech Republic winner ensured England missed out on their first chance to seal qualification to Euro 2020. A poor team performance handed them their first defeat in a qualifier since 2009. Then following Bulgaria, Bulgaria thrashed but it's England hit for six. Gareth Southgate's side eased past Bulgaria with a comprehensive win in Sofia, but this was a game halted twice because of racist behaviour in the stands. And Jonathan Fearby's site, footballengland.org, followed the Czech game by saying, England lose proud record in Prague. It's official. England's unbeaten run in tournament qualifiers has ended after 10 years and 43 games with a shock defeat to the Czech Republic. Now, it's not just been an international break for the senior men. As you may remember, in the in the preview podcast that we last had, we ran through all the fixtures that uh, 
that the Young Lions will be taking part in. Um, we're just going to run through the results of those. But as well, of course, the Lionesses had two games quite a while ago now. I did hope uh, I had planned to try and have a Lionesses and England Youth podcast as a separate entity, but that may have to wait until another time. But let's just recap on those results. The Lionesses, they lost to Brazil by two goals to one. Uh, it was played up at Middlesbrough's Riverside Stadium. They then went and beat Portugal by a goal to nil, but things are still not ticking along properly for Phil Neville's girls. They play Germany at Wembley is their next game, November the 9th for that one. Got a ticket for that as well, so I'm looking forward to going to uh, to check out the girls. Now on to the, uh, the Young Lions. We'll start with the under-21s. They played Slovenia. On the 11th of October, drew two all Eddie Nketiah's first half penalty and a debut goal for Sam Surridge of Swansea put England in control before two late Slovenia goals got them back into it. And on the 15th of October, England played Austria in a Euro qualifier. Convincing win, 5-1. Two for Callum Hudson-Odoi, three for Eddie Nketiah. He, I think, is going to be one for the future. Currently at Leeds on loan from Arsenal. The under-20s drew two all with Italy. Angel Gomez of Manchester United got both of those. Two in two minutes before Italy came back into it. England then lost to the Czech Republic on the 14th of October. They played that at Peterborough United's Western Home Stadium. Now, the under-19s, they lost 3-1 to France in the... Uh, you may remember this one, we mentioned it. The International Marbella Cup. Uh, England won France 3. James Garner of Manchester United equalised before two late France goals sealed it for them. Uh, England stayed in that Marbella Cup for a second game where they faced Belgium, beat them by four goals to two. There was an own goal on sixth minutes in England's favour. Bobby Duncan got two. Uh, He's currently plying his trade at Fiorentina and Chelsea's Henry Lawrence got one. The under-18s beat Poland's under-19s 5-2. Poland took the lead. Uh, Another own goal, again, in England's favour. Dejan Tetic of Reading got a goal. Uh, Joe Gelhard of Wigan got a penalty. And Nonso Maduke, I think that's how you pronounce it, of PSV, uh, saw us run out 5-2 winners against Poland. Uh, We then beat... Slovakia's under-19 side. Sam Greenwood of Arsenal got a goal there. And the under-17s, they had three games uh, all over in Spain at the Pinatar Arena. They played Germany twice. They initially drew with them 3 all. They then lost 2-0. And then they played Spain, where they drew 1-1. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. It has been a bit of a busy one. Thanks to Andy Satchev for that input from Bulgaria. You can follow him on Twitter at 
Andy underscore NC. And also to CJ Joyner, as always, for his comments. Likewise, he's on Twitter at CJ underscore Covblaze. Please do spread the word, like, subscribe and review at your usual podcast download place. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Three Lines Podcast. Search also on Facebook and also Instagram. Again, Three Lines Podcast. Put it in the search bar. And of course, threelinespodcast.com. As I mentioned in the last episode, I have a special podcast ahead of England's game against Montenegro. It's England's 1,000th game. I'm planning to release that 1st of November. And if you like your England history, then I hope this will be right up your street. Keep your eyes peeled on Twitter, Facebook, etc. in the run-up to that. Now, before I sign off, I think it's only appropriate that I give a mention to the England fan who passed away in Sofia, Bulgaria. Now, you may have read this in the news. It was released on Wednesday that his name was Rob Spray. He was 32 years old and from Staffordshire. Personally, I didn't know Rob, but would like to extend my condolences to his family and his friends, as no one deserves to go away to watch England or any other team or sporting event and not come back to their loved ones. Rest in peace.